This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Um, it feels weird, Pete, that we're about to go down this road here again because it's the same old nonsense, but we are going to do this. Um, Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith, obviously from Browns Maven, your local experts on the biggest stories for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound as we roll on through what will be probably one of your Thursday episodes of Lockdown Browns. Uh, we have a, another scheduled recording for a little later. Hopefully still going to be able to get that in. That is the plan. But, Pete, here we go. I, I don't know if it's round five, round six, round seven. Baker Mayfield, Tony Grossi, and look, I it, and look for a lot of you guys, look, don't go battling anybody that doesn't, isn't everyday Browns wise because they don't know it. They don't know the history. And it's, it's weird that there's this much history between these two guys for the little amount of time that Baker's been in Cleveland, less than two years. Um, I will tell you right now, I I have messages in hand, Pete, that said Tony Grossi was being a dick and it's something he's continued to do. Um, Tony, look, the Browns are two and five. We talk about this all the time. Uh, Tony was a lot, better the second half of last season why the Browns were good there was nothing to poke the bear there was nothing really but now at two and five and look tensions are running high in that locker room tensions are running high in that facility there's no doubt about it today it just wasn't the time or the place I mean are were you happy with the drive they didn't score I mean how do you even have the it's you're either a trolling or Pete you're too stupid to have the job what did you think was going to happen? Um, so my my first thought on this was neither of them looked particularly good on this. Um, but my overall uh, takeaway from it, and I sort of asked this, and I don't think it got interpreted the way I thought it would, uh, is I, I, I don't know of – in Cleveland, there's, there's no other sport and there's no other situation. It's only one guy, and and I'm saying in a vacuum, at what point does a relationship between a member of the media and a player, coach, manager, whatever it is, become so toxic and unproductive that it actually makes, you know, the other people basically, basically the other media members basically get fed up and say, look, this is not, we're trying to do a job here. And, and in the, in the, this ultimately ends up being a situation where, you know, this is the story and you get to write that, but it's, it's not a story. Like it's nothing. And, and it's going to get uh, traffic and all these things, which is ultimately what this thing's about. But I, I don't, See how I don't see how the team is happy with this thing. I don't understand how the players happy with this, and I don't understand how other members of the media who are who are doing their job more honestly in this situation are happy with it. And there's all these people saying, "Well, Baker needs to be more professional," and I guess you can say that, but I don't know anyone who is trying to answer a question who wants to be interrupted a couple times while they're trying to answer it, who doesn't then get angrier, especially when it's a person they have a history of. You know, this is baked in. I mean, Baker is not a man who buries grudges. He buries opponents. 
Um, and at this point, that's how he views Grossi, the guy who compared him to Johnny Manziel, the guy who, you know, said he would retire. We're still waiting. The guy who said, you know, the, you know, all these things about him. And then it looks like he's deliberately trying to antagonize him rather than ask an honest question to the point of Baker is either going to leave the room or he's going to say something really inflammatory, you know, that's going to be on the, on the, the lengths of like Jim Rome, Jim, you know, Jim Rome versus Jim Everett for anyone <laughs> old enough to remember that. Oh, you, can still Google it. you can find that. Yeah. Calling him Chris Everett. Like that's not an interview and Jim Rome to his credit, you know, regards as one of the most embarrassing moments of his career because he knew exactly, you know, in hindsight, he knew exactly what he was doing. He was trying to antagonize somebody for a reaction to, to get credit. Ultimately, you know, he did, but he also lost his show over it ultimately. Uh, and, you know, he had to sort of fight back. And, you know, he's still a little bit of a shock jock, but I think he's had to fight because I, I think it bothered him that he wasn't, you know, he, he has his style and he has the people calling and all that stuff, but he wanted to be viewed as sort of credible in a way that he was never going to be in that sense. And it's like Grossi, who's been essentially retired 20 years already, um, you know, doesn't have anything to lose, doesn't seem to care, and just is like poking the bear here to try to get something out of it. And I don't know... Again, my question, uh, let's say this happens with, you know, LeBron James had one reporter over and over and over again getting into, you know, a situation where it, it became this uh, antagonist relationship. Or let's say Francisco Lindor, and it's one reporter or one, one writer or whatever that's over and over and over again. Like at one point, does this just de be deemed not okay? Because it feels like that should be where we're at. And it still hasn't gotten there. For me, it's the there's literally written content today from people that cover this team on this incident. This team signed a linebacker today. When we get to the second segment, there, there's a huge, huge story today. And, and Pete, you know, I, I thought about it, and I'll be honest with all the nonsense that went on later in the afternoon. It literally got swept under the rug. We're going to cover this in the second segment. Nobody's talking about that. You literally have beat writers writing pieces about the quarterback and a beat writer. For the forever reason why he wants to make himself the story, I don't get. You know, look, and, and the other thing is, you know, we, I've gone over this a million times. Tony Grossi, his worst fear that with this franchise, this franchise would be successful. The second half of last season, none of this went on. Why did it go on? Because the team was good. It's two and five right now. Tony's back on his bullshit, playing his games. And literally, the quarterback you've been waiting for, for damn near, since the freaking franchise returned, this is the guy you're hoping for. This is, and look, because Tony is maybe one foot out the door already, he doesn't care long-term about this. But, you know, it, I guess for all intents and purposes, he, he is the top dog on this beat. But why would you consistently do this? And Pete is 100% right. It's to the point now where other beat writers are in an awkward position. And here's the other thing. Um, guess what? If Tony asks a question to Baker and pisses him off, how do I ask my question? Because now I've, the kid's already walking on eggshells because somebody pissed him off over some stupid 
vendetta, which I don't even get, like why you would have the vendetta with the guy anyway, it, it just becomes so so much nonsense and such a waste of everybody in the room's time. And the other thing, Pete, is is when do the Browns say, Tony, you ain't allowed to ask him a question, man. I'm sorry. Look, there's other people here trying to get work done. All you're doing here is creating a problem for the players, the coaches, the other staffers. Uh, look, you want to ask a question to somebody else, whatever, do what you want. Get the hell away from my quarterback. Right. I, I, that's the thing is I don't know, you know, nobody, again, this doesn't happen with other football writers. Like, you know, there are people who are like, well, Mary Kay Cab is awful or whatever. She doesn't do this. Like, you don't have to like what she, you know, questions she asks or, or say, but she's at least agreeable. She's at least acts like an adult where you can, you know, have an interaction. You may not agree with what she's saying or whatever, but uh, yeah, I think if somebody else asked, the line of questioning again without interrupting i think it would have been more positive interaction simply because there's so much baked in between these two like a, and and that is part of the problem and and you might ask a really good question uh but because of the baggage with it you're not going to get the answer you want and obviously you're right that the person who wants to follow up with a question that that you know, that carries over, you know, now they're in a bad move. Now maybe they're in a defensive posture, whatever, and they don't want to give you anything. And again, that's what ultimately what happened. Like, you know, you go up there, you know, for your job to get, you know, so, some of these things and, and ultimately your, your day is sort of screwed by virtue of this type of situation. So I don't know, you know, if that's, if that we're going to get there or not personally, I don't know why, uh, they, you know, why the Browns put up with ESPN 850 at all? Because that entire relate other other than you know the Browns. It was Daily funny. Party, it, that's a great point because exactly what you brought up is everybody who kind of jumped to defend Tony. Uh, check who's paying their paychecks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I'm not going to get into names on that, but yeah, there's there's a- absolutely an element of that. But I, I don't know, and, and, and whether it was Joe Burrow Peppers, whether it was some of these other things that have been done that were deliberately damaging or, or seemingly deliberately damaging where, you know, you, you put a loaded gun on the air and a person to try to take down Jabril Peppers uh, or whatever. I don't know at what point the organization's like, we're just not, this isn't productive. We're, we're, we're not doing this anymore. And, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll release our media. We'll do all these other things, but we're not going to let you send people in to ask questions anymore. Uh, you know, you, whatever. So, I don't know where this goes from here, but I, I found uh, I, I, I thought it was beneath Baker Mayfield to say you don't you don't play. That, you know, that's that, that, that's that. the cop. That's where Baker looks bad. That is the cop out from the athlete to the member of the media. But that's it, it shows the frustration of in the point that he's at with the nonsense he's dealing with. Sure. Yeah. I mean, again, it comes down to you ask a question, he's trying to answer it and you're not satisfied with it. So you start interrupting him and he, again, there's baggage there. He's, he's, there's a natural antagonism already. And then you, you interrupt him. And there's a, I I know a lot of people who would get fired up if you're, if you know, they already think the situation is, is, is not positive. It feels like a gotcha situation. And then you're, you're deliberately trying to cut him off and sort of up the ante here. Um, it, it's, it's just not going to end well, but to me, you know, this, this, 
is something we have to address and something we have to talk about. And ultimately, it has no bearing on what's going to happen on Sunday between the Browns and the Broncos. None. And that's why this becomes ridiculous because it's salacious. It's not productive. And you know, it's just, you know, it's, 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 it's unfortunate because there are people who do a good job, but they can't because of a situation like this. And again, it becomes a situation where the media gets a bad label on it because of the actions of one person. And that's the other part where I don't know if they're, you know, if that bothers them as well. Um, it, well, this is this would be the thing if I got if, if Tony's now aggravated him, and I think I have myself a good detailed question. I'm nervous to ask it, so I go the vanilla. Oh, what was it like to be, you know, your first experience being around Tom Brady? When I had a good detailed question, because now this guy pissed him off. It's and again, I mean, the fact that we spend this much time about this guy and Baker. And when Baker's giving 10 to 12 minutes of his time, it, it, it's it's minutia at this point. It's getting old. It's getting long in the teeth. We're going to move on here on to something else. As a football fan, you already know, just as sure as the seasons change, Drew Brees will keep the Saints in the game. I ain't saying that other guy's name. You've heard this ad before. Every weekend, our favorite gridiron warriors put their skills to the test. So why aren't you doing the same? We're almost halfway through the NFL season. So now is the time to get off the sidelines and get in the game with my bookie. Uh, look, a lot of people don't like to bet till later in the season. And number one, injuries have a factor. And number one, you have the better feeling on the way teams are and schemes, as far as offense, defense, you know, obviously play calling, all that type of stuff. So now is the time. Go to mybookie.ag. They will match your initial deposit up to 100%. Uh, you can do parlays where you're able to manipulate the, uh, the spread to your favor three, four, five, whatever. If you like to bet a little to win big, parlays are up your avenue. Fantasy over-unders. Look, a lot of, I don't even know the percentage, and I'm assuming it's extremely high of people who play fantasy football in somehow, some way, whether it's daily or in leagues. Over-unders on a fantasy player, if it's a Monday night, a Thursday night, a Sunday night, you got a guy in that game, you like the over, you like the under on the fantasy points, go ahead, drop some shekels on that. Mybookie.ag, go check them out. M Y B O O K I E dot A G. Uh, use the promo code locked on, no space, all caps. You play, you win, you get paid. We appreciate mybookie.ag for their sponsorship of Locked On Browns. Now, Pete, there was a really, really important talking point today, Cleveland Browns wise, from Charles Robinson. Um, and when we actually opened up here, you know, before we hit the record button, Pete mentioned it, and this is what got Pete the most aggravated about today. Uh, Pete, go ahead, take the ball, run here. So Charles Robinson of Yahoo Sports reported he just, and it was just a tweet. It was pretty, you know, that was it. He just sort of dropped it. Well, he was he was on a show. He was on a Yahoo NFL podcast. It said the Browns were furious. The Cleveland Browns front office was furious at the Washington Redskins because they had basically said they'd be willing to give up a first-round pick six weeks ago for Trent Williams. Uh, the the Redskins said no at that point. Then came back yesterday, basically trying to get the same deal back. To which the Browns, you know, basically hung up the phone on him. Uh, you know, and and the the main takeaway from this is well, Washington Redskins front office continues to be a dump, dumpster fire. My takeaway from this is during the middle of September, the Browns were more than content, or at least that's the report, 
to send a first-round pick to the Washington Redskins for Trent Williams. Not in July, not in August, when you could get the guy acclimated, could get the guy ready to go, but in September when you're already playing games and found out you're, you're not satisfied with an offensive tackle situation, which we knew wasn't going to be very good. It wasn't, you know, we were hoping that Greg Robinson would improve a little bit. Uh, Chris Hubbard is not good. Uh, and you went into the season, you knew that. Like, they weren't good last year, but Baker Mayfield was really good. And he made up for it. And now we look at the situation, and, and we're apparently saying we're, we're ready to give up a first-round pick during the season for a guy who hadn't done anything football-wise uh, to – to try to sort of fix this on the fly, not a plan, but desperately throwing assets away. And then later it was determined, and, and this is certainly something that can be manipulated. Uh, according to the Redskins uh, said that Trent Williams couldn't pass a physical. So it may be much ado about nothing and that he may not have been healthy enough anyway. But again, we're sitting here looking at this and going, well, just, does John Dorsey really have a plan? And he keeps telling you that, not really. And that's of concern to me. And right now you look at this combined with everything going on with Freddie Kitchens, which is, you know, at the very least questionable. And, and, and some people have already hit the panic button seven games in. And based on the Patriots game, I'm not sure that's all that unfair. Uh, you've got that going on, which was Dorsey's decision. And you've got this situation going on where you're trying to give up an offensive, you know, a first round pick to the Washington Redskins for, for Trent Williams. And none of it looks like the actions of a smart GM who's got a plan going forward for a team that's got a window to really win something that doesn't need to rush it uh, and trying to be as stupid as possible. And, and so, so many ways, this is, you know, similar to Sashi Brown thing where we're basically sitting here going, thank God the fax machine uh, wasn't plugged in to give up the two, the two and three to Andy Dalton. And we're basically looking at this going, thank God the Redskins, we're uh, stubborn to to give up uh, to give up Trent Williams for a first round pick. Uh, for me and Pete AJ McCarron, Andy Dalton. Whew. Either way, it wouldn't have been going any way you slice it. But AJ McCarron. Um, the thing for me, and, and look, if you look at this, and look, when you say six weeks, it's hard to figure out where it's at. So it was either right after the Jet game or right after the Ram game, somewhere in that realm. Because, look, when you say six weeks, you know, you have no idea where it's actually down to the point of. But, see, the thing, though, is if you're, you know, you look at it from the Cleveland-wise, and, look, guys, we told you, we did not want to give up a first-round pick for Trent Williams. But you look at it, it, it in the area the area where they were talking about giving it up, it was obviously a pick that was, you know, everybody felt confident it was in the 20s. Um, now, here's Washington, you know, basically, uh, you know, because – they decided, I guess, Pete, it was on, what, Monday? <laughs> I mean, at about <laughs> lunchtime. Oh, maybe we'll entertain the thought of moving on from Trent Williams. Um, and this is where Washington is just absolutely clueless as a franchise. So, you know, now they look at it, and go, well, let's try and call Cleveland and see if we can get that first-round pick. Um, if you've read any mock drafts this week, Cleveland is currently drafting eighth. So, uh, you know, for Washington, I mean, you know, from them to try to do this and get the pick now, yeah, I get it. The pick looks, you know, it, it you know, somewhere what, fifteen to twenty picks better as a round one pick. You know, I get it from their point, but you know, giving up the round one pick for Trent Williams at thirty-one, uh, and look, do I truly believe 
Trent failed this physical. It seems like he passed every part of it. They put a helmet on. He said his head hurts. Trent Williams wants nothing to do with this franchise. I don't even think it has anything to do with the money. It's, I want to get the F out of here. I want out. Um, you, you told me in a lost season to play through something that was going on with my head near my brain. I don't want to play for you people anymore. I don't trust you with my, my body. I don't trust you with my life. I don't trust you with my life after football, with my family, all of that thing. He just wants out of the organization. So I have no idea where this goes from here. And look, Washington, you deserve everything that's coming to you. There was a picture today of, you know, Snyder and the, and Bruce Allen walking out. The, Pete, for God's sakes, they still have an artificial turf practice field. It's 2019. Their players are practicing on artificial turf, for God's sakes. Um, and you've heard LeBar Arrington. You can't talk to the owner. You're not allowed to do that unless you're one of the top two or three players on this team. You that part is a complete shit show. Go ahead. You brought up something that's like uh, something I, I don't know has not been addressed by the NFL. How does any team how, – how are, how are there not 31 teams and specifically three other teams who are basically saying to the NFL, we are not going to play road games in Washington until this is addressed? They have a cow pasture for a field, and it has gotten people hurt. And it is absolutely ridiculous for the NFL to be – It essentially a, you know, ended Robert Griffin's career. Right. I mean, it's, it's a seven-plus billion-dollar industry – and there are high school fields in better shape in and around the Washington, D.C. area than what they play on. And that's what is Dan, uh, but, and he, well, Let me just go to this one real quick. The reason Dan, Dan Snyder loved Dwayne Haskins so much is he played high school ball with his kid. What do you think they're playing on? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I expect if they, they were to travel down to the DeMatha High School or St. John's, they play on a better field than the Washington Redskins do. Um, so... It's it's awful. So again, this story ultimately is going to be another example of, well, the Washington Redskins are a terrible organization. They have an awful front office, and all that's true. It, but that's known. It's more frustrating. Again, we don't have a plan, and this is not uh, dismissing the talent that Trent Williams has or could the impact he could make. But unless Trent Williams is going to address the uh, the turnovers and magically fix all the penalties they're having. It's not going to fix the issue. They have more issues than 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 that would address. So I, again, I, I, I'm glad that the Redskins this time uh, went and and unplugged the fax machine. Uh, you know, instead of having to have Sashi Brown dive in front of it uh, like a hero on a day where well, he's down there to... anyway. He's down there anyway. Yeah, a he's a, trip. He, yes, he's down the road. He's, it, he works for Ted Leonsis and the. Uh, Washington Wizards and you know on a day where he gets to be recognized for being an NFL pioneer when he may never get another job in the NFL which is ridiculous which is absolutely ridiculous when you saw somebody in the Miami Dolphins and kudos to you you know what throw some money around get a pick um if Tlaib even shows up to South Beach is going to go to it's going to be to go clubbing that part of it impresses you Pete I, uh, I, I'm fascinated by that. Well, first and foremost, uh, this just reminds me of how much the Bronx got trashed for, by like Joe Banner and like Bill Polian and some of these other guys at the notion that the Bronx would take on an awful contract. You know, this is something the NBA does uh, pretty, you know, commonly. 
the NFL goes and does this, you know, they take on Brock Osweiler's contract uh, to move up two rounds uh, and basically pay $16 million in cash, which didn't impact the salary cap at all because they were where they were as a team. Uh, for The only guy was – there was one guy making money. It was Joe Thomas. Yeah, I mean, it, it, they they – they uh they basically paid sixteen million dollars for a shot at two rounds, and it's just it, it becomes the owner's money. The Haslam's were willing to do it and give the shot. Um, if if that was the pick that ultimately was used to grab Austin Corbett, you know maybe maybe uh, that move doesn't happen. I, I suppose it's possible. At the same time, the framework was there, and in this case, on a much smaller level, the Miami Dolphins set, spent three four point two million dollars to get a fifth-round pick uh, uh, from the Los Angeles Rams for the rotten carcass of a guy who may never have to show up to the facility uh, because he's on injured reserve and a key to leave and is going to be a free agent. So they may not even bother uh, having him do that. And they send a seventh-round pick in 2022 to make this happen. So $4.2 million for basically a fifth-round pick. Um, again, it may not do anything, but it's a, a fifth-round pick for money in, you know, when everything else is limited, draft resources are limited, salary cap is limited, uh, you know, players are limited. There's only so many ways you can sort of, you know, essentially spend whatever you want. And this is one of those times. So it's, it's a smart move. And, and, you know, again, Sashi Brown didn't even get to make the pick uh, that he, he finagled doing this, but he uh, is the first one to do it. And now, you know, he's sort of entrenched in history. I've heard his name, out of the out of the names of you know Ian Rappaport, Jason Lockenfora, Adam Schefter, all these people have had to bring him up as to you know what are the you know basically saying what are the the, the Dolphins doing here and they have to explain it through those terms. So you know a guy who never got enough credit for what he did while he's here and and, and he's controversial now still. Obviously there are people who don't like him, there are people who do, uh, but it, it's impossible to now dismiss his impact on the sport. And look, and, and part of that, and look, it, the move worked out well, obviously. But I mean, keep in mind also, though, and I will give this to you, to the Sashi naysayers, a huge advantage to all that was Deshaun Watson as a rookie blowing out his ACL. Um, the Texans, I, I don't want to say humming, they were playing really well. If Deshaun had finished the season, that pick wouldn't have been, and keep in mind, this is also tied to Denzel Ward. So they had Houston's first round pick. They had Houston's second round pick. You were probably talking closer to 18 to 20 of round one of round two. It all came together. It worked out for him well. But look, sometimes you've got to take a gamble and, and see what happens for the sake of just seeing what happens. And it worked out, you know, chef's kiss, kiss it worked out perfectly. In the early infancy of the show, like I remember talking to people, one of the first show I had Jeff Risden on the day Deshaun Watson was declared that the ACL and his year was over. And we, you know, we got into this and Jeff's like, oh my God, I completely forgot about this. So that literally took th those picks, the first and obviously the second round from Houston and just jettisoned, jettisoned them where you had two top five picks in round one, in round two, and bang, 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 bang. You know, you obviously got your number one corner, your number one running back, you got your quarterback. But, you know, it, it wasn't a huge gamble because you knew you were going to get at least a top 50 pick but it's just a smart move because it's not like anybody, Pete, at the time was coming to this team on a free agent deal. 
Well, there's, there's a lot to it. But, I mean, look, if you're a Cleveland fan, you have to appreciate from the simple standpoint of this is basically how the, the Cavs got Kyrie Irving. Uh, they traded uh, with the Los Angeles Clippers at that point, uh, took on Barry Davis's contract to get a first-round first, uh, lottery pick that ended up being the one they pulled out. That was Kyrie. They got Kyrie uh, and uh, Tristan Thompson that year, and obviously that paid off for a championship. And it's not to that level. The NFL is not really built that way. But you paid sixteen million dollars. The owner apparently was on board doing it with doing it, and you went from a fourth round pick to a second round pick, and ultimately became Nick Chubb. So, whatever you want to say about it, you can complain if you're Bill Polian or some of these other guys. But basically, you the gamble is that if you screw this up. It's one more reason for the, the owner to basically go, I, I just spent $16 million on this and fire <laughs> you. But when it works, it, it looks very inspired. And obviously, uh, it at least it, you know got the Miami Dolphins, who are now you know, in a lot of ways modeling themselves after what the Browns did. And, and obviously, there are people who are going to sit there and go, well, 1 to 31, it sucks. And yeah, but they've got a million assets. They've got the means to sort of build the foundation. We'll see if it's successful. Uh, but you know, if you're going to say, we're not going to bother trying to be mediocre, we're just going to go ahead and bottom out. You know, the Browns were different than the Dolphins were. The Browns were just awful so long where it was like four wins, five wins, you know, the one year they had seven. And they basically said, you know, this isn't going anywhere. Let's move on. And you can, you can complain that the Dolphins, you know, didn't really do that, but they've been at the same time, they've been trying to get a quarterback since Dan Marino retired. So in that sense, it is relatable. Yeah. Um, and again, for people who remember, yeah, Dan Marino, that guy was pretty good. Well ahead of his time. Uh, we'll move on here. Um, guys, I talk about it all the time. Uh, there's a lot of reasons I love the Zabo apparel company out of Vermillion. Um, veteran owned. They put out a quality product. Um, got a bunch of them here in the drawer. Uh, but check out the, uh, obviously, the Jimmy Gilliam t-shirt, the Scottish Hammered shirt. Um, part of the proceeds of that shirt go to the Wounded Warriors Project. Great job on his part. Great job on their part. Uh, it's a company I can't talk and say enough good things about. You know, uh, obviously Jeff Risden now trying to push it here as it's you know from his his hometown. Just quality products. Um, I like the way they do it. Um, they don't rush to things. They take their time in, in what they're doing and the ideas and the artwork behind it. Huge, huge fan of Zabo Apparel. Always appreciate them and the partnership we have. Good people, good folks. And look, you know, you, you put your life on the line for this country. It always, it, it carries a lot of weight with me. So anything you need, apparel-wise, check out ZaboApparel.com. Always appreciate those folks over there. Pete, before we start to kind of put this one to bed here, um, obviously trade deadline, much ado about nothing but look, you know, we're, you know, we're Browns wise, we are not at the halfway point. A lot of the league is some halfway points here from Pete Smith. Uh, well, I mean, look, uh, I wrote today and, uh, and I believe it a hundred percent that the Browns Denver is a must win game and they need to win. They must win seven of the remaining nine games. If we're even going to have a conversation about Freddie kitchens uh, for next year, I'm not advocating firing him, but I just don't know how you can realistically. I mean, we're, we're, what we, we are saying is this head coach, whoever it is, has to be the guy who's going to be able to take you to the Super Bowl. And to me, I think if they can win seven of the at least seven, of the remaining nine, 
then we can at least have a conversation that there's reason to believe Freddie Kitchens can get there. If not, and it's, you know, a disappointing season, not making the playoffs would be disappointing. Nine to seven and missing the playoffs would be uh, frustrating, but I can at least listen to a conversation at that point. Uh, I can potentially see growth. Um, Other than that, I mean, obviously the story of the season so far is, you know, Baker Mayfield not playing as well as he did last year for any number of reasons. Um, I'm sure the injuries and suspensions with weapons didn't help, you know, spending so much time in the offseason throwing to Richard Higgins, Antonio Callaway, and and David Njoku to be basically without all of them for the better part of a month and a half. Um, And, you know, you have the other, you have Jarvis Landry and you have Odell Beckham, but clearly uh, while the chemistry with Jarvis Landry has gotten so much better, the chemistry with Odell Beckham just isn't there, but you know, we're about to be game eight. So, I, I don't care anymore. Like this, so much of this was spawned by just the amount of like, I, I don't care about the fourth, ele- fourth and 11 to fourth 16 thing. I don't, the game was over. Like, I don't care that he, he didn't want to punt there and took the penalty deliberately or not. I'm more concerned about the three turnovers on three consecutive plays that led to 17 points. And I don't, you know, basically I, I'm done caring how they turn the ball over. I don't care that it was a mule kick fluke, one in a million, as I wrote, uh, Fusilli in the stovepipe, one in a million shot. Uh, I'm, I'm over it. Like, I, I, I don't, I don't want to hear about what this team needs to do to win. I don't want to hear about the refs. I don't want to hear anybody. I just want to go win. Like, that's it. And uh, other things, Miles Garrett is, you know, arguably the best defensive player in the league this year. Olivier Vernon has been outstanding. Uh, the defensive interior is not as good as it should be. Nick Chubb is phenomenal. Uh, J.C. Treader, healthy, is everything we hoped he would be. Uh, Demarius Randall has just not, you know, for a guy who, who's hoping to cash in big, simply hasn't hap- happened. It, it's not a reasonable move to, to continue with this anymore. I'm hoping the Browns are smart enough to you know, extend Treader and Schobert. Nothing about that has changed. Um, I, I, I think, you know, I, I want through seven games. I, I don't think, especially on offense, that I've really seen a team out there. I've seen a, a bunch of individuals that just sort of look like they are trying to feel feel each other out for for you know for four quarters every week. And I want to see, you know, you know, in Denver and and the next games you know obviously against more winnable opponents i want to see a team out there that looks like you know they're cohesive and they're going the same direction i want to see guys who look like they're they want freddie kitchens to be the head coach bad enough to actually change what they're doing in terms of preparation and and those types of things to make sure you know they don't just like freddie kitchens they actually play for him in a way that's going to be a compelling argument to keep him so that's where i'm at uh, I, I agree with a bunch of that, and and this is what it is. Look, um, you know, this is. I don't think this is much different than the Jet game. Go in there, you know, go blow somebody's doors off. Get confidence with everybody again, because that's probably part of what this is right now. Is everybody's lack, lacking confidence because of the record, and that's fine. You should. I mean, I one hundred percent understand it. Going to Denver, which is a difficult trip, trip normally. You're only 11 months from removed from going there and winning a game. Uh, you know, obviously, you're facing a quarterback who's making his first NFL regular season start. The offensive line, <laughs> woohoo! 
Uh, you want to talk about an opportunity to eat? There's an opportunity to eat this week. What this team needs right now is to get another W under the belt. Um, every, but look, we know the schedule on paper looks easier. But without the confidence and being able to play with a little swagger, which applies to a lot of people on this roster, it's not going to change. You need to go out there, win this one convincingly, take a deep woosah and start moving on and rolling on and rolling through the second part of the schedule. And the opportunities there to get to five and five. And I agree with Pete. Yeah, a nine and seven. Yeah, it's it, it's something you need. Um, and as far as valuating Freddie, you know, seven, eight, and one, nine and seven with the changes that are made, you know, there's going to be questions to be answered about whether or not you're going to continue this relationship. But to, for this team to finish any worse than nine and seven with the roster they have. I don't care about the tackles. There's enough everywhere else. And we've gone over this, you know, a bunch of times where it's not so much the offensive tackle play that is crucial to Baker and his success. We'll continue to harp on that as you know, we move on with this show. But uh, uh, as you guys all know, uh, Browns Maven, follow on Twitter at Browns Maven. Uh, check out all P's work with Browns Maven through the SI.com site. Um, and obviously, you know, it, it, it's it's funny now seeing SI re- retweet stuff that Pete's done. It's cool for him. And look, I mean, look, we're busting our butts. We're trying to put out good stuff. We like to see success for each other. It's really great to see that stuff. Um, make sure you follow in at underscore Pete Smith underscore the show itself at locked on Browns, all lowercase DMS are always open. Follow back account. I, I, you all know this. I mean, we get 10 to 20 a day and I appreciate it with all that it's been going on the last couple of months here. I just see you guys all sticking with it and appreciating the work we're putting in day in, day out. It's just awesome. Thank you guys so much. Obviously, we're all hoping for different record. And look, I mean, we told you the work will never, the work will always be there. We'll always give it to you. We'll give you the best we got. So thank you so much for that. At Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. DMs open over there. Uh, Make sure you're following the account. You know, you, you guys got questions, DM them. I understand so many of you people are, you know, not big on the social media universe. But, you know, if you're on there, whatever, send me a DM. I have no problem. I mean, I've having conversations with people, you know, in, in countries, you know, all over Europe, you know, obviously Australia, uh, Costa Rica. I, I get quite, it, it, I appreciate it. It's fun. And I try to do all I can for you guys. Cause look, if you're going to find a way to put up with us for a half hour, 40 minutes a day, I'm going to try to give that effort to you. Thank you so much. I get really crazy DMs. Pete would attest to one, but we won't give that one up. Um, and with that, we're going to put a bow on this one here. Um, This has been, of all things, Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns. Until the next time.